Well, let's turn, please, in our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20. Hebrews 13, 20, the title of our message is Prayer of Blessing and Promise of Grace. Prayer of Blessing is the title of our message and Promise of Grace. And Hebrews 13, 20 to 25 is, is the last section of the book of Hebrews, and, and we're going to say goodbye to our friend. We're going to say goodbye to the author of Hebrews, to God, who used this man to, to speak to us, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to miss him. We've been preaching out of Hebrews now for several months. This is the last message, and uh, let's, let's read this final message from the book of Hebrews, Hebrews 13, 20. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I appeal to you, brothers, bear with my word of exhortation, for I have written to you briefly. You should, now, you should know that our brother Timothy has been released, with whom I shall see you if he comes soon. Greet all your leaders and all the saints. Those who come from Italy send their greetings. Grace be with you all. Grace be with you all. Let's ask God for his help. I am hearing something back here. I don't know if it's me or are you guys hearing it? Okay. Do you want to work on it? Before I get started, do you want to work on it or do you want me to just go here? Keep working on it. All right, thanks, buddy. We're trying new mics. Let's pray. Lord, I, I just pray, practical prayer, that you'd help us with the sound. You know the hard work we do to try to make this as undistracting as possible. Uh, you know our humanity. I personally am easily distracted by these things. Lord, help me. Help me to focus, Lord, on your word. Help me to focus now on preaching your word. And give us, Lord, your understanding. Lord, give us what you want to share with us out of Hebrews 13, 20 to 25 as, as you conclude this, this book in a wonderful, marvelous way. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. My daughters love cooking shows, and I love sports. So we found a cooking show that combines both. It's called Chopped. And uh, for those of you who don't know about Chop, let me explain it. This, this show has four chefs who compete. There's the sports side of it. And the show is divided into three rounds. There's an appetizer round, entree round, and a dessert round. And in each round, the chefs are given a basket of ingredients, usually between three and five ingredients. And the dish the competitors prepare must contain each of those ingredients. And generally speaking, the ingredients are not ones that you would commonly prepare together. For example, make an appetizer using watermelon, canned sardines, pepper jack cheese, and zucchini. The competitors are also given some basic uh, other supplies that are in a refrigerator and a pantry to kind of mix it all together. Each round has a time limit, 20 minutes for the appetizer, 30 minutes for the um, dessert and the entree. So the, the, the chefs have to cook their dishes and complete four platings for the four judges and also one beauty plate before the time runs out. And then after each round, the judges critique the dishes based on presentation, taste, and creativity. And then the judges decide which chef is chopped. 
who is then eliminated from the competition. So, what in the world does this have to do with our sermon this morning? It's a good question. Well, here's what it has to do with our sermon. We, we know that chapter 13 answers the question posed to us by chapter 12, verse 28. That question posed to us by chapter 12, verse 28 is this. How do we offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe? Let me just read for you chapter 28, or verse 28 of chapter 12. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God, here it is, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, and then let's just go ahead and throw in 29, for our God is a consuming fire. (laughs) So, God calls us to offer him acceptable worship. That word worship can also be translated serve. He calls us to serve him with, with acceptable worship, with an acceptable life. For he's a consuming fire. So to a far lesser degree, the judges are calling these chefs to serve them an acceptable plate. And though they're not a consuming fire, they are judges. I'm ready to go to the handheld. Okay. Thank you, bud. It's just me. Thanks. We'll give it a try next week. There we go. All right. Thank you, my friend. Where was I? Judges are not a consuming fire. There we go. So though the judges are not a consuming fire like God, but they are requiring something. And chapter 13 then tells us how we can live or offer to God this worship, this service that is acceptable to him because he is a consuming fire. Now, verse 21b of our text today gives us really exciting news because it tells us that God will work in us what is pleasing in his sight. So, what does this illustration have to do with our text? Here's what it has to do with it. God, he's the judge. He's the consuming fire. He gives us ingredients. He gives us all the necessary ingredients. Listen, he's given you, he's given me what we have, our lives, our our, our gifts, the language we speak, the country we were born in, the family that we have, the church that we're in. These are all ingredients, and he commands us to take those ingredients and prepare them, plate them, so that we might offer to him a plate, something that we produce that is acceptable to him. That's called worship and service. And we're to do it with reverence and awe because he is a consuming fire. Now, that right there makes me tremble. (laughs) But the main point of our text this morning gives me comfort. And here's what it is. Here's the propositional statement. Here's what is such good news in our text. God equips us. God equips us to do his will and works in us what is pleasing in his sight. God equips us to do his will, and works in us what is pleasing in his sight. This text is given, this text is in scripture to give us assurance, friends. It's to give us assurance, and the assurance in this text is going to come to us in two ways. These are the two main points of the text. Number one, it's going to come to us in the form of a prayer of blessing, and number two, it's going to come to us in the form of a promise of grace. A prayer of blessing. And a promise of grace from the God who equips us to do his will. To fulfill the command he gives us in chapter 12, verse 28. 
In light of the fact that he's a consuming fire, he is the judge, the ultimate judge. He will equip us to do his will, and he will work in us what is pleasing in his sight. So let's start with point one, this prayer of blessing. This prayer of blessing that begins in in verse 20 and, and goes to verse 21. Now what's interesting is that if you look at Hebrews 13 verses 18 and 19, you will see that the author of Hebrews, this preacher of this sermonic letter, actually prayed for the Hebrew believers. Excuse me. Actually asked the Hebrew believers to pray for him. Look at verse 19. Pray for us. Who's the us there? It includes all the leadership in the church that these Hebrew Christians are a part of. He says, pray for us. Why? For we are sure that we have a clear conscience Sounds like he's thinking about verse 28, serve God with acceptable worship. We have a clear conscience, desiring to act honorably in all things, of course, before God, the consuming fire. You pray for us. And if you were here last week, because leaders have an incredible task and responsibility to preach this word, which is what I'm doing right now. Oh, pray for me. Pray for Jose Prado. Pray for Corey Smidgen. Pray for us. Now, in verse 20, the leader turns around and he prays for them. He prays for them. So we have this this prayer of blessing that is being prayed by the leader for the Hebrew Christians who have just finished praying for him. Friends, this prayer is amazing. So let's, let's read it again. Verse 20. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Friends, God gives us this prayer to assure us that if we place our faith in Christ, then he will equip us to do his will and he will work in us what is pleasing in his sight. God equips us. He provides us with every ingredient we need to do his will. And then he works in us and he allows us to work those ingredients in such a way as to produce a life, a plate that is pleasing to him. Isn't this glorious? It's faith building. What a great way to end the book. A book, by the way, that is filled with exhortations, with warnings. If you would believe Jose Prado, he preached them all, but he didn't. I preached some too. Hard warnings. At times, it's like he's got the Hebrew Christians by the scruff of the neck and he holds them over the edge of this pit of flaming fire and he says, if you abandon, if you walk away, there's no more sacrifice for you. And it's like, ah! Then he pulls them back because, but that's not you. Because once God calls you and God saves you, God will keep you forever. But it scares us. (laughs) It scares us. And so, and so at the end of a book that is filled with warnings and exhortations to not abandon the faith, to don't run back to Judaism, to, to run to grace, to don't fall short of the grace of God in Christ, it's assuring to have this prayer. This prayer. And here's my prayer for you. That you would hear this prayer and that you would, you would have faith to keep going forward, to keep worshiping God, to keep serving God, because he is going to enable you to offer your worship, your service in an acceptable way to him. You may not have the foggiest idea to how to cook anything, 
much less watermelon, sardines, pepper, back, pepper jack cheese, and zucchini, which is sometimes what you feel your life is like. And God says, make me an appetizer. And you say, you've got to be kidding me. God says, no. I'm going to help you do it. Mark my words, you will give an account. You will offer a plate to him. We all will. That's not a question. The question is whether it's acceptable to him. This passage says, faith in Christ, he will make it acceptable to himself. That's good news. And here's what I want you to receive, that this prayer, this prayer of God's assurance, you would hear it prayed over you personally. May you believe that it is being prayed over you and may you believe that it will happen in your life because it is God's prayer recorded in scripture by God for our assurance. He will enable us to do his will. He will work in us what is pleasing in his sight. You see, it's God's leaders that pray the prayer here in verses 20 and 21. God's leaders who pray this prayer over over God's people. And I want you to know something. The contents of this prayer are what we pray over you as leaders. It's, it's, it's our practice on Thursday mornings to take the first hour of our leadership team meetings from 8 to 9 a.m. to pray for you, to pray that God would equip you to do his will, and to pray that God would work in you what is pleasing in his sight. It's a joy for us to do it. We pray with much confidence that God is at work in you, in us as a church, and that he might do his will. And, and, and for us to be pleasing in his sight here in South Florida in our communities, in the Caribbean, and beyond. So, let's look at God's prayer of blessing, which is point one. Uttered by God's leaders over God's people. If you'll notice the word now in verse 20. Now. Now, may the God of peace. This word now is going to allow us to pray the prayer moving forward, looking backward at all the truths contained in Hebrews. So all the truths of Hebrews are kind of like a spring that has been, that has been recoiled, this powerful spring that's been recoiled, and then all of a sudden these prayers are going to release those, those, those truths in faith into our lives. And the word now is all those truths that have been spoken in Hebrews. The word now provides confidence for us that we are praying to God who has already worked He's already been working, and he will work. Now, the prayer has four distinct parts. The first part, highlighted here, is address God in believing prayer. That's this very first phrase. Now, may the God of peace. Now, may the God of peace. An invocation, this is called an invocation. An invocation is simply an act of addressing God and asking God for his help. And so our prayer begins with addressing God, the God of peace. P.T. O'Brien in his commentary on Hebrews says the following, God brings peace by equipping his people with everything good for doing his will and affecting in them what is pleasing to him. So we address the God of peace who agrees to equip us to do his will and agrees to work in us what is pleasing in his sight. Now the question is, how does he do that? How does God bring this kind of peace? How does God equip us to do his will? How does God work in us what is pleasing in his sight? Well, the second part of the prayer 
is going to talk about that. Because the second part of the prayer is this. Acknowledge what God has done for us in Christ. Acknowledge what God has done for us in Christ. As it says here, now may the God of peace, now here we go, comma. So the invocation, we're talking to the God of peace, comma. Now comes the second part. We're going to acknowledge what God did for us. So the rest of verse 20 is the second part of the prayer. What did God do? What did this God of peace do? Who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant. This describes the work the God of peace realized in Christ when he led him out from the dead. You see, God the Father led God the Son, Jesus Christ, who here is called the great shepherd of the sheep. We're the sheep. Out from the dead by the blood of the eternal covenant. See, God brings peace through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Here we see God leading his people out of captivity through Jesus Christ's death and resurrection. And this, friends, is a theme sounded over and over again in Hebrews and the rest of the Bible. God being the, Jesus being the great shepherd, Messiah, God come in the flesh would be a a shepherd for his people and we being his sheep. As a matter of fact, this terminology here most probably was used by the author of Hebrews to refer to Moses. See, Moses was a shepherd. Moses was a shepherd whom God used to lead his people, Israel, out of Egypt, out of the captivity of Egypt under Pharaoh, who was a tyrant. But also you think of other shepherds. David was a shepherd leading his people, God's people, into God's purposes. See, God has always led his people out of, by the hand of his shepherds, whether it's Moses, whether it's David. But, oh, friends, there is one shepherd who's the great shepherd. That's Jesus. He's greater than all who came before him. This is Messiah. And he is the one who has led us Not like Moses from the hand of Pharaoh, but from the hand of Satan. And not out of Egypt, which is is usually a metaphor of for the world, but out of the world and the captivity of sin and death. And not into the promised land, but into glory. Into God's glory. Just, Just listen to this for a second. Let's take that word now and let's look back at one of these truths. Look at Hebrews 2, verses 9 and 10 to illustrate this point. Hebrews 2, 9 and 10. What are we doing? We're acknowledging what God has done for us. Listen to what God has done for us. Let the coil, let the spring be coiled powerfully in your hearts through through this truth so that when you pray, it would propel your prayers forward. But let's first look backward. Look at Hebrews 2, 9. But we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. Verse 10, for it is fitting that he for whom and by whom all things exist in bringing many sons to glory, that's the shepherd leading the sheep out of Egypt into the promised land, bringing many sons to glory should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. Skip down to verse 14, Hebrews 2, 14. 
Since, therefore, the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he, Jesus, might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil. Not Pharaoh. The devil. And deliver all those who through fear of death, captivity in Egypt, no, captivity in this world through the fear of death, he's delivered us and we're subject to lifelong slavery. Oh, friends, God delivered us and he delivered us by raising Jesus from the dead and he raised Jesus from the dead by the blood of the eternal covenant. Do you see that? Flip back to verse Chapter 13, verse 20. Now, may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, there's that picture of a shepherd, okay? The great shepherd of the sheep. Now, how did he do it? How did God bring Jesus from the dead? By the blood of the eternal covenant. We got to think about this so that our prayers are informed. We're about to ask God for something in verse 21, but before we do, let's think about who God is and what he's done for us through Christ. It is by the blood of the eternal covenant that Jesus was raised. See, here we see the great redemptive truths spoken in Hebrews of Jesus' sacrifice, Jesus' blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant shed for our sins to redeem us and to enable us to offer to God acceptable worship and sacrifice. Now, let's, let's look back. That word now calls us to look back right now. So let's take a look at Hebrews 9, verse 13. Hebrews 9, 13. Let's think about this covenant. Let's think about the blood of the covenant. It's by the blood of the covenant that Jesus was raised from the dead. The Father raised Jesus from the dead, who's our great shepherd. We're the sheep. By the blood of the eternal covenant. Eternal covenant. How so, Al? Look at 914. 13, excuse me. 913. First, the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh. By the way, that is talking about the law mediated through Moses. How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, eternal covenant, eternal spirit, eternal God, eternal son, same yesterday, today, and forever. I added that. That's not in the text. Through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Now, we're not there yet, but we're going to ask God to help us serve him in a way that's acceptable. We're going to ask God to help us to do his will. But the way we do his will is by the blood of the covenant, by the blood of Jesus that cleanses our conscience so we no longer serve him with dead works, but with living works, with faith. We serve God. We're saved to serve. We're saved to serve. Jump to Hebrews 10, 11. It's another, another illustration, another truth here of the blood of the covenant. By the blood of the covenant, Christ was raised. Hebrews 10, 11 to 14, uh, Hebrews 10, 11. And every priest stands daily at his, at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. By the way, that's referencing the law mediated by Moses. Moses simply pointed to Christ. Christ fulfilled everything Moses had hoped for, everything God had promised to Moses and his people. Verse 12. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins. He sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. 
And then it speaks of the covenant and the Holy Spirit who bears witness to us after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts and write them on their minds. Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sins. Friends, Jesus' blood sacrifice frees us from the slavery of sin and death, and it is the foundation for his resurrection. As P.T. O'Brien says in his commentary, I believe he's quoting William Lane, Quote, Christ's resurrection is the demonstration that his sacrifice of himself has been accepted by God. The resurrection is only possible because the blood of Christ was accepted by the Father for your sin and mine. And, listen, not only was it a demonstration that his sacrifice of himself has been accepted by God, but the new covenant was established on the basis of that sacrifice. So you ask, what has God done for us? We've been rehearsing that. It's amazing. Now, what will God do for us? That's the third part of the prayer. What will God do for us? Ask God what he will do for us based on what he has done for us in Christ. Let's read verse 21, friends, as we transition from what God has done for us in Christ to what God will do in us through Christ. Verse 21 of this prayer. Equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ. So we ask God for what he will do in us. And what he will do in us is he he will equip us and he will work in us what is pleasing in his sight. Friends, this describes the work of God that must be realized in our lives if we're to do God's will. Now remember, Hebrews 12, 28, it describes God's will, doesn't it? What does it tell us? We must offer to God an acceptable worship. That word worship can be translated service as well. Acceptable service. That is God's will. Now, God equips us to worship him, to serve him in an acceptable matter. And we can pray this. We can pray. We can ask for this with faith because of what God has done for us in Christ. The truths we just rehearsed propel us forward to the petitions we now utter. This word equip, you see that word equip, the first word in verse 21, has a range of meaning. This range of meaning, it's a Greek word, equip. You, the, the New Testament's written in Greek, so that Greek word is translated into English. It happens to be translated as equip in our English Bibles, at least the ESV. But it has a range of meaning, and that range of meaning includes to make ready. It means to supply with the items needed for a particular purpose. It means to prepare for a situation or a task. So this verb equip, translated equip in the English here, is also also used in Hebrews chapter 10, Verse 5. So please turn there for a moment. Hebrews 10.5. I want you to see how it's translated in Hebrews 10.5. This is speaking of Christ. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have katarizo. That's the Greek word. Prepared. Now that same word katarizo was translated equip in our passage, but it's translated prepared here. So that's that range of meaning. But now follow the line here. 
So sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body, this is Christ speaking to the Father, you have katarizo, you have prepared, you have equipped me with, for me, in burnt offerings and sin offerings, you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, so why did God equip Christ? Then I said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written in the, of me in the scroll of the book. Friends, as God prepared, as he equipped Jesus with a body to die on the cross, which is God's will, to set us free from sins, to inaugurate a new covenant, so God will prepare, equip, katarizo us to do his will through Christ's sacrifice. We have the utmost confidence in God that he will equip us to do his will because of Christ's sacrifice, my friends. It's a sure thing. It is God's will. It is why Jesus died, and Jesus did not die in vain. Christ's sacrifice is effectual. God's will will be done. He will bring many sons and daughters to glory through the death and resurrection of his son. God accomplishes what he wills. So we can pray with confidence. See, we're to pray for this grace that only God gives us to equip us as a community to do his will through Christ. This is being spoken to community, friends. This is big picture stuff. This is go out and do the mission stuff. It's not just about you individually. You see, this is the reason for our prayer series that begins next Sunday. Jose is going to be preaching on the Lord's Prayer The Sunday after that, I'll be preaching about the prayer of faith in James 5. The Sunday after that, Corey's going to be preaching on prayer. And then beginning in September, on the second Wednesday of of, of every month, beginning in September, we're going to pray. We're going to pray. We're going to seek God. We're going to ask him to do his will in us. We're going to ask him that his will be done, his kingdom come here, that he work in us what is pleasing in his sight. Now notice. Back to chapter 13, verse 21. We pray. What do we pray? We pray that he equip, up, equip us, equip us to do his will, but equip us with what? what? What does he equip us with to do his will? Well, it says here in the text, with everything good. You see that? Everything good. What are the good things God provides for us? What are we to pray for? What are we pray, to pray in light of? Well, the Bible says that every gift from above is good. So let's start there. Everything God gives us, it's good. From the gift of faith that he gives us, so that we might trust in Christ initially and and trust him alone for our justification to be made right with God and our sanctification so that we might start becoming more and more like Christ. Our, Our character is changed. To the gifts of the Spirit, God the Father sent God the Son. God the Father, God the Son sent God the Spirit. And God the Spirit brings gifts We have one God, Trinity, three persons. God, the Spirit, gifts us. He gives us gifts, what the Bible calls charismata. These gifts of the Spirit, these are the good things God gives us to do his will in our homes, in our churches, in our community. Gifts like teaching, service, administration, faith, prophecy, healings, miracles, mercy, the gift of giving, You see, all of these, and these are just representative. There are many more. Please study 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians uh, 14, Romans 12, Ephesians 4. The gifts that God gives us to do his will are awesome. They're amazing. We are to be people of the Spirit. 
endowed with the spirit at our salvation, continually filled with the spirit as we walk with God because he gifts us to serve him, to worship him. Oh, I pray that God would reveal to you your gift, friend, the gift he's given you, that the spirit of God has given you by the resurrected Christ. And I pray you'd follow Christ's example that you would actually obey God. He gave you these gifts so that you might obey him. He gave Christ a body so that he might do God's will to die on the cross. Thus, he's our founder. He's our forerunner. He's, he's our example. Without him, we could never do this, and there are things that he did that we're not called to do. I'm not called to die on a cross. But because he died on a cross, I am called. that friends may you walk in that friends listen we're still in this third section of the prayer ask God for what he will do in us it gets even better not only do we ask him to equip equip us with every good thing to do his will but look at this what's the second part of that working in us back in chapter 13 verse 21 b working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ oh my We're to pray that God work in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ. Now, remember, friends, remember this. Chapter 13 is set by chapter 12, verse 28. We must offer to God acceptable worship, what's pleasing into his sight, acceptable service. So worship, our service, is to be acceptable to God. How in the world can we do that? He's a perfect God. We are imperfect people. I will never worship God or serve God perfectly. I will always be marked by the stain of sin on my best day. So it's a losing situation. Is this just a joke? Is this a game? You you, you command me to offer acceptable worship to you and acceptable service to you. And you say you're a consuming fire and I'm standing here with these judges here and I've got to plate something. I have no idea how to cook watermelon and, and sardines and pepper jack cheese and zucchini. And I got a time limit and I got to pl- present it to you and if not, I get chopped. Are we just pawns in the hands of an unfair God who's a consuming fire? No, no. No, we're not, because this word says that God himself will work in us what is pleasing to him. Great, Al. How? Nice. I know what I do and what I don't do. Are we waving wands here? Is this like a free card? How does this happen? Well, I'll tell you how it happens, friends. It happens when you put your faith in Christ as your great high priest. And I'll tell you why that's true. Because Jesus right now is fulfilling his high priestly role and function in the heavenlies, offering gifts and sacrifices on your behalf and taking what you offer and making it acceptable to the Father. Well, show me that one. Okay, let's go there. And this is now courtesy of my friend Jose Prado. I have kind of reworded some of his stuff, but the ideas come right from his sermon that he preached on Hebrews 8. Go to Hebrews 8.3, please. What are we answering? We're answering, how in the world does God work in us what is pleasing in his sight when we're sinners? How does that happen? I'm saying that the Bible says, that Hebrews says, it's by putting your faith in Christ, the great high priest. Now I want to describe for you the work of Christ, the great high priest, that takes our offerings and our service, marked by sin, imperfect, 
our plates that taste horribly and makes them acceptable to God. All right, so look at Hebrews 8.3 for a moment. Don't have time to re-preach Jose's message, but listen, look at Hebrews 8.3. Speaking of Christ, for every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices. Thus it is necessary for this priest also to have something to offer. Now notice in this text, it lists gifts and sacrifices. Jesus is the great high priest. The the author of Hebrews is making an argument to the Jewish Christians. Don't go back to Judaism, the old high priest. Jesus is the great high priest. But he's saying, just like they offered gifts and sacrifices, so Jesus offers gifts and sacrifices. Now, gifts and sacrifices, very important. What we have here is a division of sacrifices into two kinds. Stay with me. Gifts, sacrifices. We got two kinds here. First, we have a sacrifice or an offering that is called a meal offering. A meal offering. A meal offering does not involve bloodshed. A meal offering is when a man brought to God something to thank God, to dedicate his life to God. It was was an act of dedication, not of atonement for sin. It was a personal commitment to God. It was offering worship and service. The second sacrifice is a sin offering. It's a sin sacrifice. It's a sacrifice for our guilt, and that had to be a bloody sacrifice. Blood had to be shed on that one. You see, friends, this is the sacrifice that Jesus offered once for all. I already read it, Hebrews 10, 12, Hebrews 10, 14. One time, doesn't have to be offered anymore, and he sat down. And he perfected for all time on that one-time offering. He perfected for all time those of us that have faith in him. Hallelujah. But he continues to minister in the heavenlies as a high priest. And he continues to offer, not sin offerings, that's been done, but the the gifts, the meal offerings. He, He continues to intercede for us. He continues to say to us, Bring me your offerings. This is why we pray in Jesus' name. Bring me your offering. Bring me your gifts. I will make them acceptable to the Father. Because of my sin offering, your continual worship and thank offerings and and, and dedication offerings and what you do and who you worship and, and, and how you do it, it's imperfect. Don't trust in that. Trust in me. Trust in my sin offering. But I'm going to take it and I'm going to make it pleasing to the Father. In a sense, I'm going to replay it. I'm going to add the seasoning. I'm going to add the right texture that makes it acceptable to God's taste and his sight. He perfects it, but you've got to offer it. You cannot sit there and say, his sacrifice for my sin is enough. It is, but God's saying, offer me worship and service. Not to get my approval, but because you have my approval. And Jesus continues to minister. He's our intercessor. He's our mediator. He mediates for us, guys. I have no hope apart from that. But I have all the hope in the world and in all eternity with it. Yeah, I, I was just thinking of this, this chopped illustration. Yeah, a meal offering. I like that. We bring the meal. He makes it acceptable. Are you bringing the meal? I'm not talking your salvation here. I'm not. That's where the illustration breaks down a little bit. I'm not, no one's going to chop you here. 
I'm talking obedience to the Father who is a consuming fire. Now, I'm not sure all that means for believers, but you know what? It's got my attention. Does it have yours? He is the one, Jesus, who's, who, who makes our sacrifice acceptable, but we are the ones who must bring the sacrifices of worship and service. So are you bringing the meal sacrifice? Do you serve God's mission with God's gifts and God's promise to make your service acceptable? This is where we get out of ourselves in introspection and out into the service, into the work, into getting up at 8 in the morning to set up into working in the children's ministry, into doing things that are uncomfortable. But God says, offer it. I'll make it acceptable. Just do it. Get started. We serve a big God, folks. He's on the move throughout the world, and he invites us to join him. And he'll make our service acceptable. It's what gives Jose faith to plant Sovereign Grace Church Miami. It's a daunting thing to preach the gospel to be used to lead along with Lenny and Miguel, a a new church. Who can do that in a way that pleases God? Nobody. But Jesus will make that offering acceptable to God as their faith is in him. And that goes down to the person who's serving right now in children's ministry who probably saying, oh, I've got children's ministry this morning. Oh, my goodness. I don't know how to serve these kids. I don't know how to teach this lesson. But, oh, God, I'm going to go, and you'll make that offering acceptable. And, friends, after a truth like that, what does the author of Hebrews do? After you preach a sermon like that, you know what dude does? Dude breaks into glory right here. All right, he's preaching away. He's preaching. He's saying, now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant. He's going, man. He's a preacher. He's preaching now. Verse 21, equip you, amen, brother, with everything good that you may do his will, working in us. He includes himself suddenly, working in us, that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ. This is all through Christ. Then he just busts out in worship. To whom be the glory forever and ever. And the church goes, amen. There you go. Thank you. You know why they said amen? Because they were gripped by these truths. Because they, the fourth part of this is we assign to God the glory due his name. It's not emotionalism, friends. It really isn't. It's based on pure logic, pure reasoning. This is unbelievable. Glory to God. And you should say amen, not oh my. So God's prayer of blessing over his people is point one. I promise point two is shorter. <laughs> God's covenant of grace among his people. Re- remember, remember that the title of this message is prayer of blessing and a promise of grace. Here's the promise of grace. The main point is still this. God equips us to do his will and works in us what is pleasing in his sight. But listen to grace. Listen to verses 22 to 24. Excuse me, 25. I appeal to you, brothers, Bear with my word of exhortation, for I have written to you briefly. You should know that our brother Timothy has been released, with whom I shall see you if he comes soon. Greet all your leaders with all the saints. Those who come from Italy, send your greetings. Grace be with you all. Here's the application of the message, friends. Grace. It's the covenant of grace. God's grace that comes to us through his word of exhortation. All he's saying when he's saying, listen, bear with my word of exhortation. It's a short one. 
He's saying everything I've just been preaching you from Hebrews 1.1 to this point, that's all true. The grace is in that word. See, the grace of God in Christ Jesus through his sacrifice for our sins and his resurrection from the dead, it draws us so that we don't fall short of the grace. I mean, the main point is this. Draw near to God with faith through Jesus Christ, your great high priest, because it's a throne of grace now. Go to that throne of grace. Receive mercy. Find grace in your time of need. Hold fast your confession of hope in Christ without wavering. Why? For he who promised is faithful. And stir up one another to love and good deeds so that none of us fall short of the glory of grace. We're to stir up one another. We're participants in God's mission. It's a corporate thing. That's what the second point here is under point two, that second bullet. God's grace comes to us as a congregation. No time to get into this, but notice leaders are mentioned for a third time. Greet all your leaders. Timothy is mentioned. He just got released from prison. Uh, I'm going to come with him if if he comes with you. Look at this. And, and, And all the saints, you guys are filled with grace because it's by grace. It's by grace. It's by grace. And that's the third point, the third bullet. God's grace comes to us in Christ. They are saints because God's grace is with them. Grace be with all of you. Grace be with all of you. See, God's grace shapes who we are and what we do and where we are going. Does God's grace shape who you are and what you do and where you are going? You know, God equips us to do his will and he works in us what is pleasing in his sight together as a church. Let let, let us do it together. Let us lift our eyes out to the harvest field, to the mission. Let us receive God's grace. Let us receive his prayer of blessing. You know, you remember the chop show? Well, just imagine if in the chop show, the judges gave them those ingredients and gave them the time limit And said, go, prepare a plate that's acceptable to me. But instead of just sitting there, they step down from their judge's table, go down next to the contestant, and go from being a judge to a contestant, which is what Jesus did, and gets next to me and helps me prepare. Now, the initial step is God's. It's sovereign. It's God's election. We're saved by God's grace alone. But, friends, after that, he calls us to participate. So we're going to work with him. And at the end of the time, he's going to prepare for us this plate that is beautiful, that will be pleasing to him, the judge. Because he came down and stood with us, the contestant. Let us pray. Lord, I thank you for your prayer of blessing, and I thank you for your promise of grace. Lord, I thank you that Christ came down to help us prepare this meal, this meal offering, this dedication, this commitment, this worship, this service that we're to offer in a way that's acceptable to you. He came down to make it acceptable by his life, by his death, by his resurrection, by his ascension. Oh, Jesus, by your mediatorial office as my great high priest, I pray in your name to the Father with confidence that you're working in us right now, that you're equipping us, you're giving us all we need to do your will as a church corporately. And you're working in us what is pleasing to your sight. Oh, Father, help us to believe you. Help us to walk in this, I pray in Jesus' name.